0: See, Lonnie, I don't know why yours has that neat voice that says, this is recording.
1: Yeah, yours I, doesn't do that?
0: No, mine just, a counter comes on. That's it. Like, right now, it's
1: on one then and second, two seconds. Wow. Your, your secretary is rude. Yeah. It's going, so. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and start things off then. Ready? Yep. Welcome, ironradio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. I am an exercise physiology and nutrition professor, and I am a competitive bodybuilder.
2: Hey folks, Robert Fortress-Fortney, uh, former editor at Musma International, former competitive bodybuilder, and powerlifter. I'm very sick.
0: Always, Rob, always. This is Phil Stevens, um, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and strength coach. I'm also a founder of liftforhope.org, um, and I don't know, a bunch of other stuff. Um, today we have uh, Jesse Burdick joining us. Jesse, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, For those who don't know, Jesse Burdick, he's kind of been all over the place. He's a trainer, powerlifter, powerlifting coach, um, was an NCAA Division I baseball player, moved on to the semi-pro level in Canada and in the States. Um, Jesse currently competes as an elite powerlifter in three weight classes with a best squad of 909, best bench of 584, and a best deadlift of 725. Um, Jesse got his bachelor's degrees in sociology, psychology, and criminal justice um then spent six years now working as a CSCS, um, also certified uh, licensed massage therapist active release technique star technician um, geez uh, working with Louis Simmons on some various projects uh, coaching athletes across the board um, just a whole list of crap here Jesse man you are a uh, I got to say a uh, uh, for a show of ours that we, we specialize in having a nice mix of meatheads and science nerds, you might win our 2010 award of meathead with the most degrees.
3: Uh, well, <laughs> well, thank you for all the lovely things that you said about me, so yeah. I can get that out of the way. There you go. And, um, well, thank you. i uh, try and pride myself on being able to, um, you know, be able to talk science and meathead all at the same time. Yeah.
0: You also talk powerlifting bear, too, a lot with Mark.
3: That's true. That is good. Uh, I'm sure with that beard, that comes quite natural to you. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: So um, what got you started in training in general?
3: Um, I think, like a lot of people, uh, just, you know, an athlete, and an athlete who kind of screwed himself up, and um, who screwed himself up enough to say, hey, um, I'm doing something wrong here. Let's try and figure it out. And I was lucky to uh, be in college when I did that and lucky to have a... um, strength and conditioning coach by the name of Paul Childress, who's um, one of the strongest power out there. Um, And he was able to kind of help show me the way, the error of my ways that I was doing, and um, kind of put me on a path of not only um, doing things right, but also uh, learning why the things that I was going to be doing is the right way. So not only kind of the 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 under-the-bar knowledge, but also the book knowledge to come along with it. So I was... uh, very lucky to be um, stupid, but in the um, right place at the right time. <laughs> okay. So from there, I um, from there I kind of picked that up, and as my uh, baseball career wound down, needed something to be um, competitive in and uh, do for work. And I was had no interest in doing anything that I uh, graduated with anymore. So I kind of um, headed towards the coaching aspect of things, both in baseball and in um, just the uh, personal training, strength coach side of things and kind of um, went from there.
0: That's what I was going to ask. How the heck did you change from psychology, sociology, and criminal justice
3: to a power lifter
0: slash strength coach? Just, yeah, I was well, wondering if really thinking, myself.
3: <laughs> well, if you think about it, they're actually all pretty useful. You know, the psychology and sociology, get to actually, you know, you, you understand how people tick, how you can um, motivate them, how you can get them in, how you can get them... Um, out how you can get what you want out of them. And then, you know, being in the powerlifting world, you deal with a lot of criminals. So the criminal justice stuff kind of (laughs) comes along with it just quite easily.
0: Nice. So when did your powerlifting career begin? I mean, was it after baseball or?
3: Yeah, I think that's when I moved from um, upstate New York out here to California. Uh, The semi-professional baseball team that I was on folded, and instead of paying me money, asked me to pay them money. Um, and said so when we go fly a kite and then look to be um, competitive in something else. And I was uh, um, lucky enough and had the ball, big enough ball, to call a leaf sickness and say, hey, how do I actually start this? So, you know, again, Paul Childress helped me out a lot and kind of pointed me in the right direction. So he pointed me to uh, Dave and Jim over at EFS, who pointed me towards the piloting gym here in uh, Northern California. So that was about um, 10 years ago now, actually.
0: Nice. Um, you and have some interesting.
3: There. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go go ahead. And I th- you can talk about the past. I know, I I did, and then from from there, I did my first meet at uh, two forty two, um, and um, I think I did my first meet about six months after I started. So uh, you know, I've been competitive for you know almost nine years or so.
0: That's nice. That's one of the things we uh, touched on the other day in the gym. Is just. You know, you jumped in and did your first meet after six months, and we're talking about how people always want to. Uh, yeah. They're waiting for the perfect time.
3: <laughs> exactly. They're never- waiting for the perfect. You know, and it, it'll never happen, and that's the uh, that's the real sad fact of the matter for the people who are waiting for the perfect time, for the perfect openers to hit the perfect numbers, to be at the perfect weight class at the perfect body weight to hit that perfect total, and it's never going to happen. Um, you know, once you get under the bar you know it's basically you know how much chaos can you handle and um come through the other side with white lights and uh it's never going to be perfect so it's always better to get people on the platform as soon as they can just to get them comfortable with it and then you know get them addicted to it and kind of get them rolling and that's you know that's what we try and do with the team and everything we do here yeah that
0: that's great advice i think yeah you have some interesting goals in powerlifting this coming year you want to talk about that
3: (laughs) yeah um I uh, totaled uh, elite weight classes in 242, 75, and 308. Um, and, you know, I was kind of looking around on the Internet and reading up on a couple of things and found out that there's less than 10 people who have uh, elite weight classes in five different weight classes or elite totals in five different weight classes. So I got the dumb idea to drop down to the 220 total elite and then get back up to the super heavyweights and total elite. And um, I gave myself a year, and uh, my friend uh Kiefer from uh dangerously hardcore has uh been nice enough to kind of sponsor me and be um taking me through the whole <laughs> weight loss weight cut and then the whole um up on the other end
0: has anyone yet done that i mean in one year rank elite in 220 and super heavyweight
3: I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. (laughs) Um, I I think I'm the only one stupid enough to think that we even have this uh, pass through my cranium.
0: Oh, boy. No, that's pretty
1: interesting. Let me just ask, what's your motivation for that again? (laughs) Did I miss that? Um, Uh, You
3: know, uh, I figured I'm at a a weight right now. I'm at about 260, um, and I'm... Strong enough where I know I can get down to 220 in total in elite level and then be able to kind of come back up. My ideal weight is probably about like in the 280 or 290 range where I know I can be um, very competitive and put up a big total. Um, But I figure it's going to take me a little bit of a while to kind of get up there um, to to the right right body weight and have the the people around me that I need to really get me up to that, you know, 24, 2500 pound um, total that I need. So in the interim, I figure I'm close enough and I have the resources to drop down to the 220s. And, you know, why not jump back up to the super heavyweights, even if it is stepping in the scale for one second being 220 and stepping on the scale for one second and being 309? Um, just to, you know, be one of the very, very few people to have five elite totals um, in different weight classes.
1: Right, God, I would think that your business would benefit in a way because you're the master of body size. You know what <laughs> I mean? You, you, I, you can do anything you want with your body weight, plus or minus a hundred freaking pounds or something. But yeah. I, I would sign up. You for know that. What, I'd well, sign up.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, good. Thank you very much. I'll take you. I'll take you on anytime. Um, you know, I started. I started out ten years ago, probably weighing about a little over two hundred pounds, and. Um, I got my first elite total at 308. I put on about 90 pounds in the uh, first 16 months or so of powerlifting, just through um, training correctly, just eating a lot. And um, now, you know, waxed and waned all the way up to 330 and then back down to, uh, as the most recent um, total, 242 about uh, six months ago, and then back up to 65 or so. So be able to, you know, it's... um. It's not pleasant, but it's not as you know impossible as people think as well.
0: Well, and the neat thing is, you get both of them in one year now. So you get to start off the new year like everybody else and try and lose weight,
3: but then about <laughs> halfway through, you get
0: to just go all pig out.
3: I hope so. Hopefully, hopefully in March, it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, let's talk about your gym and uh, some things going on there.
3: You've got yeah, thanks. A lot of stuff um, on. I, I work kind a uh, so i place here in Pleasanton, California called uh, Reactive Gym, also the house, uh, CrossFit Pleasanton. I'm an independent contractor, so strength coaching here. So I do um, personal training, uh, strength coach for high school teams, and uh, run my the piloting team out of here as well. Um, got a lot of stuff going on, looking to actually expand uh, our business as far as our building goes. We're almost busting at the seams here. So we're looking to go from about a 5,000 square foot facility to about a 12th thousand square foot facility um you know looking to get some uh a couple more coaches in here and just you know really uh taking over the northern california strength and conditioning side of things
0: one of the interesting things you got going on is your your power wad that the site and it, it in and of itself you want to talk about that a little bit what it is
3: yeah so powerwad.com p-o power dcom um you know being in the um kind of being forced into the CrossFit community here, being where I work, deal with a lot of um, CrossFitters, and uh, they're, they're good and their bads. And um, as of recent, um, you know, the, the CrossFit community has reached out to Louis Simmons to take care of some of their um, kind of a strength and conditioning uh, side of things for their programming. Um, and one of the things that I was lucky enough to do, uh, Mark Bell and myself were invited to go um, to Columbus and um, help teach or help run one of the seminars that Louie is doing and um, hopefully very soon here uh, start running those for him here out on the West Coast and also in different spots. Um, but one of the things that I found out while I was just talking with the um, people here and just in the CrossFit community and especially when we went to the seminar, um, a lot of the CrossFit people really, really love the fact that um, – you know, this is both good and bad, but they can go to a website where they walk into the gym. They don't have to think, and they have someone tell them what to do. And what was missing in the whole, um, you know, the the, the seminar that Louie ran, just, you know, to, to listen to Louis and to watch just the West side guys lift and just to be in that building is, is amazing. And everyone who um, claims to be a powerlifter, you know, needs to make that trip to Mecca. And if they don't, I don't think they're truly... Um, Uh, you know, truly, really touched everything that they can touch out there as far as the strength and condition side goes. But no one was really putting out a program, you know, just a general program out there for people to follow. So Mark Bell, myself, and um, the the guy who runs the gym here, also runs the CrossFit program, Paul Southern, kind of got together, sat down, and said, you know, is this possible, what can we do? So we started to put together... um, some ideas and started to run with this website that uh, that is now powerlod.com. I run the um, the programming side and just kind of like the blog side thing and just take the uh, the advice of both Paul and Mark and some other people that are helping me, you know, kind of navigate through the kind of the CrossFit world and just to make it palatable for not only a, uh, a CrossFitter but also a um, novice an powerlifter and maybe a powerlifter who you know walks in on max effort squat day and just doesn't know what the hell to do. You know, are we doing pin one or pin two? I was like, ah, oh, let's see what else someone else is doing. And, you know, maybe we'll get from there. So that's how it started. And, um, had a really overwhelmingly positive response from it. A lot of people contacted me saying that, um, they like it a whole lot. And, um, if, and I'm not sure if everyone knows, but Phil's here working out with us. And he's been doing a great job of helping us get some, um, video and some content up on the blog. And just kind of keeping things moving and getting people interested in it. Yeah. So it's, um, it's moving along really well and it's uh you know it's it's an ever evolving thing here. So I hope that it just keeps kind of getting better and better.
0: One thing I've mentioned to several people, it, it's definitely it's it builds this atmosphere like I saw and I told people that that used to be here in the states, but now I mean the last time I saw it was in my time in Thailand, where You know, the only thing that separates the people in the gym from the average person to the bodybuilder to the powerlifter was kind of what we ate. We all trained together under the same house and and stuff like that, and that's what you got going on. I mean, you've got people, you know, meatheads like me, and they're picking up 800 pounds, and then you've got, you know, a gal or a a young kid picking up 95 pounds. And, you know, we're all doing the same thing. The difference is what's on the bar. And, you know, it builds this community and respect for each other.
3: Yeah, and, you know, I mean... There's a lot of goods and a lot of bads out there about um, CrossFit and about the type of person that they kind of breed and um, the, some of the programming and everything. But um, you know, they're at least they're trying to do something. You know, they're they're out there, they're off their asses, they're off the couch, they're trying to do things right. And if um, you know, if I can help them out, you know, point them in the right direction, if they decide that they do want to kind of get strong or even have an idea of what to be strong is. I mean, you know, it's. And uh, you know, I think, you know, I don't have a big enough ego to, to tell them to go away because they're a CrossFitter, or because they're anyone. You know, they <laughs> they're just looking for some help. They just need some direction. And, yeah. um, You know, I'm more than happy to kind of help those people out. Yeah. Because you know, just like just like everyone, you got to start somewhere. And again, I was lucky enough to have Paul Childress, you know, point me in the right direction. And um, maybe someday, you know, you guys will be talking to someone else that was lucky enough to have me point them in the right direction. Yeah. For sure.
0: Um, what else do you guys got going on? You have a, you know, potentially a bunch of deals coming up with uh, Louie. Um, you've got the powerwad thing going on. You got a bunch of meets and seminars and you know do everybody just go to powerwad.com to find this or you wanna talk about some of the things you got coming up?
3: Yeah, I'd like to talk about it. Um, but you know, all the information is up on powerwad.com or uh reactive gym You can get all the information there and um, uh, Mark Bell has it all up on his site, uh Super um, but on uh, January 9th, we have uh, an SPF meet being run here. as the first ever CrossFit division, and all that that means is you know CrossFitters are going to be able to compete against their own their own CrossFitters, uh, opposed to kind of going up against a raw powerlifter, which is um, just trying to make it another way to make the world of powerlifting and weightlifting a little bit more palatable to not only the general public but also kind of the CrossFit community as well. So we're going to be running that on the 9th here at the uh, Reactive Gym. We also have uh, Jim Wendler coming out on um, February 5th to um, run a seminar out here, uh, which is going to be great. This is the first time that um, Jim's been really – well, he's been in Texas a couple of times. But, I mean, anywhere past Texas, uh, out west lies. he hasn't been here at all. I know he's been to Vegas, but certainly not to speak. So this is the first time ever he's going to be out on the West Coast, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure if he plans on ever coming back. So I think it's, a, <laughs> it's just like the Louie seminar that um, Mark and It might be one of the, uh, the last times that ever see him, close opposed to you going to find him. Yeah. And then um, we also have, we're going to be running a meet in um, March up at uh, smelly Place up in Sacramento. Um, and then uh, myself and Mark are running... We just booked uh, seminars at the end or in the middle of February at uh, Zach Evanish's place in uh, New Jersey Underground Strength, um gym in New Jersey, and then we are in the final stages of uh, putting together a seminar um, with out uh, at a gym on um, Long Island so we'll be out there the 18th, 19th, and 20th doing seminars at uh, Zach's place and um out on Long Island, and then um, when we get back, looking at uh, dates for San Diego and um, up in, I believe Portland or Seattle as well in the next coming months from there. So a lot of traveling and you know a lot of uh, a lot of great opportunity, kind of you know spread the word of yeah. just strength and you know just uh, getting people strong and kind of showing people the right way to do some things. So it's really exciting, and um, I'm looking forward to all of it, I'm looking forward to. Meeting a lot of people that you know have corresponded with, and um, just you know helping uh, helping get the you know get the word of strength out there, you know. Yeah. And also looking forward to a lot of you know a lot of my teams going to be competing here in January, and also uh, you know I'm going to be competing in March, and then hopefully competing you know again within that year hitting two elites here. So we got a lot of a lot of things happening. A lot of my teams going to be competing. Just you know, like Phil is going to be competing here next coming weeks. You know, hopefully get a uh, Raleigh total hopefully pull real big, put some big numbers up on the board, and um, make some noise in the, both the raw powerlifting community and just kind of the um, powerlifting community in general. So, you know, that's all very, very exciting to me, you know, trying to get, um, you know, trying to breed elite-level powerlifters out of you know out of the program. You know, we got two or three, and we're just trying to, you know, bump those numbers up and um, just keep it rolling. For sure. Let's
0: um, move on and talk about, you know, while we're talking about creating elite-level powerlifters and how you train them, one of the first things I noticed you're using is drop sets um, mm-hmm. you know i kind of i guess you could call it you kind of merged West side with uh, you know the West side system with the addition of some drop sets. You want to talk about this and why you did that and how it's
3: working for you sure no. sure you know i've um you know, classically train the um, West side system so the uh, conjugate system um, and what what I found. You know, through my own experiences, that you know, my just the, the volume in general of the max effort move that we use, uh, both on max effort squat and max effort bench days, are um, you know, uh, not as great as it should be. And as I kind of got along in my career, you know, speaking to you know a bunch of people uh, in specific, you know, and very specifically Jim Wendler, um, when he was before he developed his five through one, going just straight off Pilates chart, trying to get, um, you know, trying to change up a goal of hitting. Um, hitting hitting a max weight, but also getting the reps over 90% that we would need. Um, And uh, I was kind of one of the first guinea pigs uh, that he had using that out here. And um, it it worked, but it was really a giant um, pain in the ass and really time-consuming to, you know, to hit, you know, one or two um, reps over 90% and then um, to be able to try and jump back down there. And a lot of times it ended up being, you know, Five or six singles, and um, it was pretty grueling and took a long time. So after that, is 5 3 uh, five three one came out, and um, what I would try and do was just to try and um, hit something a little bit lower than a ninety percent. You know, I didn't when I started to do some of the five three one when I was training in my garage. When I left uh, powerlifting, gym was in, kind of on hiatus and training in my garage. I didn't like the fact that I wasn't training extremely heavy. So when I, you know, I kind of Fast myself when I get the chance and I get the facility, what I wanted to do was train heavy and be able to kinda of drop back down and create the same amount of volume by just, you know, dropping down to eighty percent of whatever the weight that I hit was. So I walk into a max effort squat or a max effort bench day, hit a number, whether it be a PR or not, take eighty percent of it and take a down set. And um, I found that it worked really well for me for maintaining strength, keeping my volume high and also had a, you know, positive effect on just, you know, body composition as well. Um, And when I started just working with uh, the CrossFit community as well, um, the percentages that they use are just so out of whack. You know, they're using like 20 to 50% uh, ranges for an unbelievable amount of reps. And then they have one or two days a month where they will try and hit a a record overhead squat or whatever it may be. So they're going from 20 to 50 percent to 90 to 100 percent, and they're missing a whole big chunk in between. So that if we go just you know straight off the of Proven's chart, you know I mean we want to hit you know in a 70 to 80 percent range. We're looking for like 12 to 24 reps or the 80 to 90 percent range. You know 10 to 20 reps. So there's a lot of work being missed in um, both their workout and a lot of the pilates workout because you know, we're macho and we want to go plate quarter, plate quarter. So we miss a whole lot of, you know, nickel and dime things up in order to, you know, make sure we're getting both, you know, priming our central nervous system to handle a heavier weight and also, you know, getting in the volume that we need to. So a lot of times what we do is we just work up to a weight, um, whatever that may be, miss it, or if you miss it, you take the one that you made, drop it to 80% and go from there and, uh, you know, try and do a rep-out set. Um, And what I've also added in on top of that. Is um, adding in Mark Bell's slingshot as well. So, a lot of times, what we'll do, depending on the day and depending on how often we do it, probably once a month, we'll um, throw it on on bench day and um, take, you know, hit our our max effort move, take 80% of that, then keep the bar at that same 80%, throw on the slingshot and um, hit it for uh, another set of whatever we can. What's really interesting, we found that. you double everything that you get. So if you're repping out your 80% at 400, you get three reps. You throw on the slingshot, you get six. So, um, and I think that's where the, you know, greatest application for the slingshot is, is reps in the, you know, 80 to 90% range, just to really get used to that heavy weight in your hands and also um, just get that volume work in that you need.
0: Nice. Um, You know, one thing I noticed right there from the start is, it's so akin to what the, the Bulgarians have been doing for a long time. You know, right. they based everything off of you know, they came in each day and found what they were capable of that day and that's what they based their percentages off
3: of. Right. So I mean the you know, the the Russian Bulgarian system, you know, the difference where the Russians used their competitive maxes as where they base their percentages off of every training um, uh, every training day. So the Bulgarians, you know, had so many different training maxes that um, that's uh, yeah that is where it kind of comes from, but it's also just from a lot of experimentation. Yeah. Where you know it, to, when you begin your piloting career, the first couple of years, you know you're going to hit PRs nonstop, and it's going to be awesome. And then after a while, you either get so strong, or you're running out of moves, or you get bored. After a while, you start to come back to a certain amount of moves, you know that you know kind of call indicators, so you know where your stuff is going. You know you kind of gotta you know you, you gotta take the good with the bad, and just you know you have a good week, you have a bad week, and then you start really kind of learning about your body and then you start to learn about what stress does to your body and the fact that, you know, your body reads stress as stress. It doesn't matter if you just broke up with your girlfriend or you, <laughs> you hit a max effort bench. You know, your body it takes your body time to recover from that. So the next day you come in, might not be freshest, and, you know, you look at it and take what you can get and, um, you know, work from there. So um, it is it is very similar to that, Um uh, kind of in a, a roundabout way, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what are some of the
0: results you've been getting? You, you know, you were t- telling me about a you know, some ventures and stuff. yeah. Well,
3: yeah, you know, I, we have a guy here named uh, Andy Zavala who's um, been a seven hundred pound venture for a long time. He um, just from a lot of you know, not a ton of weight in his hands over literally six or six hundred pounds. Um, except for any sort of high board accessory work that we did, um, and any shirt work that we did, you know, really um, keeping, bringing his hand, you know, bringing his grip in so his pinkies on the rings or closer, um, working his you know, kind of the, those mid to the eighty to ninety percent range uh, with the drop sets, and um, all doing this all raw, and it took his bench press from 705 to 735 in about a period of four months. And um, if he hadn't, uh, he, he uh, blew uh, like a little bit of pecking, like uh, something going on in his rotator in his shoulder. He's still, the swelling still so, so bad that you really can't tell exactly what's going on with him. But, you know, he was primed and ready for, you know, probably close to an 800-pound bench here uh, at the last meet up in um, team super training. He'd hit uh, 835 off of a one board and um, gone full range with 775. So he was really ready, you know, just, um, just build a really nice base, you know, if you use that whole, whole uh, cup analogy. You know, the more strength that you have, you know, the bigger cup you have, the more you can fill that up. So I mean, those percentages just give you a better base to kind of jump up off of. So the real true, you know, training maxes is what we're working on opposed to the competitive maxes. And then we raise those training maxes up, the competitive maxes go up. And um, Andy's been a, a, a great, a great example of that um we also had uh, elton hart who's gone from benching about 470 to he benched 560 in his last meet but his biggest thing is his squat you know he went from about a 600 pound to a 750 and um just missed a 660 something deadlift to uh pull for elite there at the last meet as well so we got a lot of people who are starting to come up from um you know, uh, from on the outside looking in, the powerlifting world really not moving ultra uh, impressive weights. Um, you know, and um, getting a lot of results out of it just during the training system.
0: Interesting enough, I mean, I've used something similar to it for a while. I mean, like say it's overhead. My data overhead press. Mm-hmm. I'll work push press first, work up to something heavy, and then hit my strict presses. And you know, just due to the fact that I was holding a bunch of weight in my hands now. My lower reps or my higher reps at the lower weight, you know, they just crank out easy. Um, You know, I've had I've had people doing that too. Okay, we're just going to work up to ninety percent real quick, and then we're going to drop down and do your work sets. Um, You know, just for the fact that it primes you up for that lighter stuff, I think it's huge. Um, Lonnie, maybe you can talk as you know on the bodybuilding aspect. You know, is is there a place in your training now with drop sets? I mean, you used to hear a lot about them, but
1: yeah. Well, you know, when you guys are talking about that, one thing I think about is the whole, like, neural potentiation thing. You know, I mean, uh, back in the spring I was at a conference, and they were all about that. You know, the one guy was trying to defend it because I guess it comes under uh, scrutiny sometimes, but clearly there's an effect there. You know what I mean? You put a a bigger load on that bar, and then the sets after that feel easier. I mean, they just do, you know. And so Mm -hmm. I I try to to toy with that a little bit, specifically – I think right along the lines of what you guys are saying, just so I can have more volume at a slightly higher poundage, you know. So, you know, I I do think, I mean, there's that super training effect. My old mentor used to talk about that, you know, for whatever reason, however you get there, uh, however you tweak it, you train uh, at a higher intensity. You have a a, a super training effect over several weeks. You know, you grow from that. That's not just a neuromuscular strength thing. That's a size thing. So that's what I'm interested in
3: you know, so. Absolutely. And that's what I was talking about with the drop sets having a positive effect on body composition. You know, we've had, um, had guys come in here who are lifting more weight at, uh, both a lower body fat percentage and just a, a, a much greater body, uh, body weight period, you know, looking of 20 to 40 pounds and being stronger.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Rob, how about you? I don't know. I know you're, you do a lot of reps.
2: Um, well, I know talking what we were talking about the, the, before there. I know Platts used to talk a lot about you know going really heavy and then you know when you come back down to four or five, three fifteen, it feels like you just kind of bounce up and down with it. Um, that's certainly true. As far as doing lots of reps, I I don't know volume wise. I I've always thought if I want to get a lot of volume, I do straight sets. Um, but once in a while, I think for um, Maybe for a muscle part, a body part, or something that's feels like it's moving towards injury or something, a lot of drop sets might help, um, you know, and, and get a lot of blood moving in the area and stuff like that. But normally for volume, I would just go straight sets kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I see that too. Now that you mentioned, I mean, for injury and whatnot, I've had people tell me, like when I jacked up my glute and hamstring, I was doing high reps, stiff legged deadlifts. So I was doing like three fifteen for forty and people are telling me I'm freaking nuts, you know, you're doing that to fix an injury, and, you know, it worked, I don't know, but uh, it's just one of those, I don't know, it's one of those indicators, like you were talking about a minute ago, Jesse, I mean, I don't know, it's one of those things I know works for me. Um,
3: yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, that's that's the sign of, you know, an experienced um, an experienced athlete in general, you know, and um, it's, it's one of those things where if you know it works for you, whether it's whether it works for you, whether it doesn't, um, you know, in your head, if it's working for you, it works for you. Yeah. So now, the you know, as a coach, which you are as well, you can't um, you can't expect someone to be able to do the same thing and get out of it. You yeah. kind of have to take it for what it is and see if it works for someone else. If it does, great. If not, you know, you gotta kind of look for something else.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the average person might separate their hamstrings from their fricking leg if they did that, but
3: uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: um. Yeah, I don't know, that's that's good stuff. Um, what else are you guys working on that's kind of novel?
3: I think the, the we're also, uh, you know, aside from the kind of the drop sets, I'm just working with the CrossFit community. We're also trying to um, do a lot of work with the, uh, um, with foam, both in, um, you know, squatting onto foam and benching with foam. Um, kind of fell ass backwards into a high-density foam dealer who, um and Louie was doing a lot of stuff with foam, but it kind of, the, the guy that he was running here, getting his foam from, kind of disappeared off the face of the planet. And his, um, his, 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 his you know, he's kind of ADD, so it was great for a little bit, and then he found something else shiny that he kind of looked towards. Um, so for, for me, I think it's great, because uh, for me, I'm a, I'm a great box squatter, and um, box squatting you know, didn't translate over to free squatting very well for me. But since I've been doing a lot of squatting in the foam, mimics a uh, mimics a free squat, but also kind of gives me the um, the feeling that I'm box squatting at the same time. In my um uh, my all of my weights across the board as far as squat and deadlift are going up. So that's something that I kind of thought about and started to look towards. Started giving some of the foam to uh, Mark Bell at Super Training. And um, with a, a physicist friend of mine, we're trying to develop um, an idea of how much you're going to think with what sort of weight, you know, trying to figure out the density and be able to create a strength velocity curve um, with it so we can uh, be able to kind of actually track someone's progress and say, you know, we're, we're pretty close with the bench here. We're getting about like 110 to 115% of someone's actual one rep raw max. Off of the foam, but once you hit that kind of 111 or 116 percent, you know there's not even a, um, there's not even an effort involved in it. It's absolutely zero, which is really really interesting. So the strength velocity curve goes straight up, and then it goes absolutely positively straight down. So trying to figure out how to create and kind of deal with the um, different densities and levels of foam uh, to kind of create something a little bit different than a board, a little bit different than the man pawn. And a little bit different than the um, the foam that Louie has, because this stuff is a little bit more durable. It's not going to flake off and um, leave a trail around the gym. It actually looks pretty, uh, looks pretty, and um, is uh, durable and sturdy as well. So that's something that we're doing here. Um, and uh, next time I'm well, actually next week I'm going to be sending Louie a bunch of stuff to start testing out for us as well. Just to hopefully um, put together something and create a uh, you know kind of create something. Something different, a little something new, but, you know, kind of along the same concepts of what's been kind of going on. Just hopefully try and get it a little bit better of a product out there. I know I'm having you use it. Um, what do you think about the foam, Phil? Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say. I mean, I, I almost totally forgot about that I was doing that. And, you know, I think all our listeners, I think all our listeners know that I'm, you know, I pretty much have no hip left. Um, and so I've been squatting high, and Jesse's like, hey, just jump on this foam and try it and you know it got me back to working i was able to get down to you know we filmed it and i was roughly parallel and there was no pain it you know it just unloaded a bit on the hips and there's no there's none of that just slam into the box that that you had before and you're you're coming back out of the hole with a bounce yeah it's been it's been interesting um you know i've been able to move back to respectable weights and it's it's like you said, it's more of a free squat because you're not just sitting on to something. If you actually sat back, you're going to squish down and fall on your ass because you're just on a exactly. soft piece of foam. Um, so you need to control yourself and, and learn to learn to sit back and sit back far enough where you don't bail out. But uh, No, I think it's an interesting concept. Um, yeah,
3: it's, I think in- interesting is certainly the word. That's the, the uh, most feedback that I've got back so far. No one's really able to make... Um, total heads or tails out of it. No one, no one's knowing if it's going to, you know, help or hurt, you know, or, you know, uh, makes people feel, you know, some people it helps their hips. Sometimes it yeah. makes it so hard they can't get out of it. So, it's a, you know, it's going diff- to have different stuff for different people. And um, I'm in the process of trying to figure that out, you know, who yeah. is going to benefit the most, why, you know, look at some injury prevention as well and just look at it as a teaching tool.
0: Yeah,
3: I think um, – I think it's great for beginners to learn how to squat in it, too, especially box squatting. you just being able to sit back a lot of times. There's that big flop. Uh, So you don't want to raise the box up, you know, 18, 20 inches because then what the hell are they going to get out of it? But all of a sudden you have this piece of foam there just say, keep sitting into it until you feel about ready to fall backwards and then come back up. All of a sudden you get a decent amount of weight on there. They're sinking down to a respectable height as far as just a box height and also just a squat height. And then they're really actually starting to get a full range of motion and learning how to squat a little bit better, and not um, and being able to control the weight with the muscles they need to use in order to squat the weight that you know they should be squatting.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, because as you know, that probably everybody here knows. You know, in general, the whole the whole world is very quad dominant, and they got nothing behind them. That's so, right. You know, you're kind of giving them that something to sit back into and build up those muscles back there while while they're doing it and, and learning how to do yeah. it correctly
3: yeah and I think for you know for some experienced squatters as well, especially who some of those people and I know they're out there who are similar to me who have a better box squat than you do a free squat at times, you know it kind of gives you that uh that comfort that feeling that that box is there, even though it it certainly is not because it goes and it goes fast, and if you don't turn it back around, you're gonna be sitting on the floor with a bunch of foam, you know yeah. with a bunch of weight on your back with your ass and a bunch of foam,
0: yeah, I know for me, I mean it's only been I've been doing it for. I probably worked with the phone four times, so it's right. hard to tell. But um, I know what it's helped on is, you know, the biggest thing for me with an injury is you just think so much you can't be strong. Yeah. And it's, it's brought after one to two sessions, I was like, man, my hip doesn't hurt. So then I was able to come in and go heavier and go harder because I, I wasn't worried about pain. Um, right. So, and what's causing that, I don't know. Because me, I mean, <laughs> it's a totally, I'm not usual. So, I mean, is the foam yeah, well, really – am I am I actually hitting the positions I used to? Because I used to be very technical in the squat, and now sitting in the foam, I don't know. Like you said, that's something to figure out. But
3: uh, no, Yeah, that's, and that's what we're trying to do. And I think it may – we may end up kind of scratching our heads and saying, you know, the math, the science behind it isn't, you know, exact, and it's really hard to kind of pinpoint something down here. But I think just the psychological and mental side of things where, you know, you, you – it actually feels good to kind of sit into and to come out of it, it actually seems easy. And when you're sitting on it, it seems so high. So you add all that stuff up and then you start thinking like, Oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. Then you start throwing some weight on there and maybe you don't realize how far you actually are dipping into that foam when you're coming out of things. So it's kind of a, you know, a mind over matter type of thing starts to take over. So, I'm, you know, I'm gonna try and try and not have it be that um, you know airy and philosophical of an explanation yeah. with some Trying to have some science behind it, but I think the mental side of things is you know something. It certainly is going to come into play.
0: How much do you think it's unloading?
3: Do you have any clue yet? I have no clue. We we, we have a better clue of how it unloads in the bench right now, opposed to the um, opposed to the squat. But it normally takes about 300 pounds to start. Um, uh, dipping into the foam about like three inches, so I'm almost thinking almost for you know 100 pounds we're going to drop you down another inch or so. Yeah. Especially with the, the with the big block of foam, You have a block of foam that's about 18 inches high by 24 inches wide, and um, with that one, it's going to be a little bit more denser than the with the bench press. Um, with the bench press, we're finding we have about an 18 by 8 uh, block of foam that we're using to to bring the bar down into. And that's about every 50 pounds, it drops you about another about a half an inch. Um, again, you know, this is just just rough tests, and we're putting together um, all the pieces that we need to to try and put some actual math and science behind the behind the thing in order to you know actually make those numbers a little yeah. bit more a um, little bit more exact.
0: Well, it's almost a progressive overload thing. I know, like you had me doing step ups on it, and uh,
3: right, yeah, in, yeah, that's something that Louie was doing. Louis loves doing um step ups into it. A friend of mine named Ryan Horn down there at Virginia, Virginia Commonwealth University, uh strength coach there. He uh he does a lot of shoulder stuff with it where he has his people just do um like shoulder blade marches and push ups into the foam, Which is just, you know it it feels really good. It kinda of seems to take the grunt out of things and a lot of you know, it's 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 kind to your joints, which was really interesting. Um and again, it's just figuring out exactly if there is a reason, opposed to the fact that it's just gonna, it's just like gonna expand and kind of take a little bit of that weight, a little bit of that load off of it for you and come up. So from an injury prevention side of things, it's really interesting. And um, yeah, the uh, the set in the phone is, you know, I did those the other day and I didn't realize how horrible those were, and I made to do like 100, so I kind of need to apologize about that.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Um... Those are awful. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You, you know, how many do you want me to do? Just Some for some. Uh, some for a few. <laughs> and then he said, just do 100. So, yeah, it was great. Um,
3: well, if, you keep, if you keep asking, I'll give you the number. It's not going to yes. be one you like. Just keep going.
0: Exactly. Um, no, I think this has been good. Lonnie, are you around? Yes. Do you want to touch on some, some stuff for the end of the year here?
1: Oh, yeah, actually I did. Yeah. Um, just listeners just sort of a you know the way public radio does their thing we're just doing sort of a funds drive uh if you're used to listening to iron radio you know the interviews you know the kind of educational kind of stuff or talking to coaches that are exploring new things like today then we're just asking for people to donate what you can at the end of the year uh we were talking earlier about how there's you know there's a lot of gurus on the internet and you know they're selling books and audio, and all kinds of stuff that, you know, has half the quality of the stuff that we're giving away for free. <laughs> so, so we, we just well, we just appreciate the support, you know, because the donations are what keep us on the air. You know, there's web costs, at, especially at the end of the year, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so anything that you could donate, we just appreciate that. That's that's really all I wanted to do is yeah. one drive action, you know. And
0: just to make it, I mean, to put a, some numbers on here, I mean, like today, it's looking like it'll cost... About two dollars to call Jesse, so no, I mean no. so a little bit helps you know you can it help, does. you know for three dollars, we can run the show for a day and give it to you guys for free
1: yeah, yeah there's so. no doubt. and you know what and we 're really transparent with this stuff. I mean, it only costs about a hundred or one hundred and ten dollars at the end of the year to you know, renew the domain name and keep the website up and everything. I mean this is not meant to be a profit generating kind of thing at all. So, you know, we just appreciate, you know, that kind of support because, you know, it, it gives us a reason to do it. And, and by the way, Phil was talking about the amounts. We've had donations uh, two weeks ago. Some guy just donated five bucks. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you, man. You know, exactly. and at, on, the, on the on the on the far other end, we had a guy donate 300 bucks. So, you know, holy cow. Thank you so much, because that yeah. just keeps us alive. You know.
0: Exactly. So um, I think that's it for today, Jesse. Jesse, I just want to thank you for coming on. Um,
3: no, thank, thank, thank you guys. And, you know, i did encourage all the listeners to, you know, support you guys as much as we can. Because like Lonnie said, Lonnie was very kind saying all the Internet gurus are, you know, have half the uh, half the amount of knowledge and, you know, useful uh, content that's out there. And, you know, it's probably more along the lines of 10% with the, uh, with the guests and with also just the knowledge that you guys bring to the table. You know, people also need to realize that this is also, you know, an hour out of your day that you could be doing anything, you know, from personal life to working with a, uh, worth with a client or doing anything along those lines. So, you know, your time is worth something. And you know, the, the, the strength community really does appreciate it. You guys do a wonderful job and I'm honored to be on here and, um, encourage people to kind of give back and, uh, you know, keep this thing going and get it bigger and better and, um, you know, make it worth your guys' time even more than it already is. Thanks man.
0: Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And I think that's it. Everybody needs to check out Jesse's websites, powerwad.com. Um, Go sign a sheet. You know the the best day is today. So sign up and come up to that meet. You can compete against me. You know. So ah, there we go. <laughs> I'm gonna show Mark <laughs> Bell how to deadlift. You know we're gonna oh, be same, we're gonna be in the same weight class, I think. But uh,
1: so going head to head. Who knows? I okay, don't. I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll sign. I'll sign up and I'll make you all feel good. There you <laughs> go. Woo! <laughs> I feel good about yourselves.
0: <laughs> That'll work, guys. Thanks a lot.
3: Thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. All
0: right, take care.